Animals Knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is hour one of episode 352. Jason Lindgren is with me, and folks may remember a while back, I don't know, five, six, seven shows, uh, I did a request with regards to alchemy, and I got contacted, and I got contacted big. Uh, for those who have an interest in alchemy, they will know the name Count, Count de Saint Germain, who was an alchemist uh, in the court of Louis XV. Everybody knows Louis the Fourteenth. You can look up online stuff about Louis Fifteenth. But um, what we have here is his great, 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 great. I don't know how many greats coming from the seventeen hundred nephew of Saint Germain. And our guest today is called Fortune Germain. Welcome, Jason. Did I drop anything there? Good morning, and no, I think we're good. All right, welcome, Fortune, and welcome to both of you. And hello to everyone out there. So this is a little bit a different show for us. Generally, when we do things, we follow a line and, you know, we end up threading through wherever the show takes us. But I did a, an ask some time ago and you responded and said, do you want to know something about alchemy? And I said, yes. And we have talked and you seem probably as authentic a source as I could imagine. That is a great compliment because I'm one of your biggest fans. So uh, it's, it's great that we can finally come together and do something that uh, benefits everyone and, and is also will be entertaining as well. Right. Um, Jason, do you want to do the, it's not really a bio, do you want to do the intro text that we had? Yep, let's do our lead in here. From the sublime to the divine, we present to you a modern-day alchemist, Count Fortune de Saint-Germain. His Excellency is the head of the noble house of Saint-Germain and descendant of the mysterious Count de Saint-Germain of the 18th century. All right, so Fortune, you gave me the birth and death dates, and we also kind of concluded before we began recording that almost anything you read online is gibberish, uh, as far as you're concerned about your great-great, however many uncles away he may be. He was born in 1691, we're talking about Count de Saint-Germain here in the court of Louis XV. He was born in 1691, and it is listed at that he passed away in 1812. That's quite a lifespan. Where should we jump in here, Fortune? Do you want to jump in informing people what alchemy actually is? Well, as head of the House of Saint-Germain and biographer of mystic Saint-Germain, I speak to you of alchemy, infinity, and miracles. And alchemy in general is very, very simple. We are creating as the divine creates. An alchemist deals with the infinite, both form and formless, with the principle that there is no death, but only divine and infinite rebirth and life. The heart chakra and the divine moment are the alchemical laboratory. Let me ask you a very blunt question. Uh, on each of my episode images, I make a pretty bold statement. I want to see if you agree with it. In my view, what's going on in the world right now is, from my point of view, misuse of alchemy because it is almost entirely a mental manipulation, what's going on in our world. How do you feel about that statement? There is a dark ritual spell in progress, yes. Okay, so... Let's do the life of the alchemist. You lead the way. Let's do whatever you think is, is the, the appropriate order here. By the way, there are a lot of crazy stories out there about Count St. Germain. So do you want to dispel what might be the poppycock and tell the real story? 
some of the stories are that he never died. <laughs> you can find those stories all over the place that he's still walking the earth. Well, let's let's talk about reality. The life of the mystic begins on August 1st, 1691. And his name is my name, Fortune, for I am named after him. And he is born into the illustrious family of St. Germain, uh, a family of French diplomats, governors, generals. Uh, there was the Danish ambassador, Robert de Saint-Germain. There was the uh, general, Claude Louis, General Claude Louis de Saint-Germain. There was Antoine Louis de Saint-Germain, who fought with Napoleon. And our name is on the Arc de Triomphe. There was Matthew Pierre de Saint-Germain, who was a territorial colonial governor. And the family of Saint-Germain is the only family to be counts of France and counts of the empire. That means uh, recognized as a countly family under the kings and under the emperor Napoleon. But when we talk about reality, who this man really was, he was a wisdom teacher, an enlightened soul, an herbalist, a homeopath, who introduced the great Dr. Hahnemann, the father of homeopathy, to homeopathy itself. He was a true alchemist and a breatharian. He did not have to eat because he was able to live on the Holy Spirit. He was a musician and a composer. He loved life and learning and saw infinity in all creation and in man himself. So that is a lot to unwrap right there. I, I want to ask you a personal question before we get in. Do you mind? Go on. When you were coming up, did you have to learn the specific history, world history, or European history? You see what I'm getting at here? How, when you were coming up, what was the education, the historical education that, that you were required to have? Well, I was brought up on all of this because this was my family. And then I was supposed to be a school teacher, which I was. And I had originally taught English and then foreign language and a great love of history. And uh, then finally, I was pushed into medicine. And at the same time, uh, it just clicked in my head uh, what, what the true mission of my soul was in this life and what my purpose was. So we should mention uh, offline when we first met, you basically inherited everything from your many greats uncle in terms of the alchemical and family connected things, papers, I don't know, notes, these kinds of things, possessions. My grandfather found them. I don't know if my great-grandfather, whom I never knew, even knew they existed. They were found in my great-grandfather's um, personal possessions, and they were all wrapped. My grandfather found them, and they were all wrapped and labeled. So my grandfather shared them with me, and yes, I do have the stone, and I do have just to let you know, the Philosopher's Stone is a red diamond. It is a test. Red diamonds are very small. They come in one, two, three carats. You cannot find them in large stones. The, the actual materializing, the processing of the red diamond is a large stone. Is The Philosopher's Stone is the fire stone. It proves that it was able to be done. So if you come across anything that is in large carriage, that's a red diamond, it does not exist in nature. It was created by somebody out there. So basically, just to frame that, what you're saying is someone with a 
lot of skill, had to create a diamond of large carat if that kind of color. And of course, that that makes me think instantly of the Hope Diamond. I think that's that's a blue diamond that's like almost the size of my fist. Uh, is that a similar thing? That there is a story to that, and we don't know if that's actually the original Hope Diamond because I have the sister stone to that blue. And I have something that is 45 carats. It's the same diamond. It's a blue diamond. And it was left, it was left in our possession. It was, this, is, this is probably a created stone also in blue. I don't know for a fact, uh, but I also have the white diamond that the floor was removed from, from King Louis XV. So that stone I have as well. Uh, but the, the Hope Diamond... Uh, came from i think india and it said that this blue diamond came from africa so within your inheritance were there alchemical things of alchemical value that were handed down to you if anybody knew about them they didn't pay attention to them i know about them that's that's that they it wouldn't have mattered my father and grandfather would not have understood it or or they would not have believed it or understood it so are, are alchemists in your bloodline still? Because what I'm getting at is you've, everything that I've ever seen, and I've looked at St. Germain, all the important writings, you could see someone like Paracelsus or something. Every time you read it, you know you're under, you know, you're not getting it all because you're not initiated. And you know this. Um, and even more so, there's probably things that people are a heck of a lot more aware than I am are getting that they're not getting everything. So what I was getting at is, did you have to be trained to understand what you're looking at? This all came to me through my readings, through meditation, through direction, through listening, uh, and all coming together. Uh, just as St. Germain was self-taught and he arrived at this on, on his own. He was a follower of St. Martin. Uh, he, from an early age, was a curious man. Uh, those closest to him said he came across as an ecclesiast, someone who had been trained for the priesthood. He was kind, quiet, and solemn, and most often spoke mystically and metaphorically and used alchemy to heal and feed the poor. He was often misunderstood because he spoke mystically and metaphorically. So as far as the stories about him... For instance, he would wear a lot of stones on his clothing in public. Is that true? Well, all of his grandeur was to show he had a great sense of humor. So he loved to tell stories because, remember, this was the 1700s, the Age of Enlightenment. He knew Voltaire. He knew Rousseau. He knew Locke. He had traveled all over Europe. And uh, since he had been brought up in a noble family and... Uh, had introductions everywhere. Uh, the the worst thing was to be boring. People went to supper parties every night. The, these were, this was the age of the grand salons where ideas were discussed. Uh, it was a great time of liberalism uh, that's brought us many of the uh, great treasures, intellectual treasures and spiritual treasures that we have today. The world was moving forward. So he was a great storyteller and he had a great sense of humor. But as usual, people are often not listening to what's actually being said. And yes, the diamonds and the beautiful clothes, because uh, everyone was dressed very well at Versailles and at these evening gatherings. And you went to supper parties dressed in different clothes than you wore in the evening. 
And on top of it, uh, he was giving a message. He was trying to tell people about the great turmoil of the French Revolution that was coming. He was trying to tell the court of Versailles, Louis XV, and the uh, upper echelons of the government uh, about what was coming and a way to make the change peaceful and steady and uh, an easy change, an easy transition. So the wealth was used to show them uh, that he was actually serious about what he was saying, that he could produce what he was saying, that it is possible. But he was talking to them more about spiritual alchemy, about the alchemy of the soul and using spiritual alchemy to transform the world into something better and to avoid to uh, in, avoid the darkness that was approaching the violence of the French Revolution. So to put it into context, with the revolution you're speaking of is basically when most nobility and so many things get thrown down uh, because the average people, as I guess I can refer to them, had had enough. Uh, they were sick and tired and they, as far as I can tell, there are some chateaus still stand, standing, uh, but they knocked a lot of things over. And if I'm not mistaken, they actually guillotined some noble people, didn't they? Well, it was a bloodbath and St. Germain predicted that. And as the French Revolution was breaking out, he was seen in Paris when he was not supposed to have been there. And he said, I warned, I begged, I pleaded. There's nothing I can do. Now Providence must take its course. And at that moment, uh, the countess he was speaking to, she turned around for a second and out of the corner of her eye, she saw the man walk close to the mirror and walk into the mirror and disappear. Now, that's one of the stories much closer to some of the things of the people who appreciate alchemy that follow the stories of St. Germain. But, you know, I guess I could ask, St. Germain was saying, hey, we can do this. We can use alchemy in a spiritual way to diffuse the bloodbath that's about to happen here. And nobody listens to him. But really, aren't we getting the reciprocal right now of what St. Germain was purporting he could pull off. I mean, aren't we really getting the, the, the polar opposite spiritual alchemy to put us where we are currently in 2021? Uh, the dark spell you speak of only has the power that everyone gives. It. Hence the, the moniker spiritual, right? What, what people can be made to believe or accept. Ever since World War I, each generation has fallen further and further until we have what we have today. So uh, each generation has grown spiritually weaker and intellectually weaker until this moment. So the world no longer stands in awe of creation. It no longer dreams. It no longer stands in awe of itself. It no longer realizes what is possible. And therefore, at this moment, unless something, something miraculous and grand happens, uh, there really is no change because uh, the longer this goes on, the more power it takes on. The longer we allow this to go on, the stronger it becomes and the, more it, the harder it will be to stop. But this I say to everyone listening, this nightmare only arose because we let it arise. Just as the French Revolution, uh, everyone was asleep at the switch. We were all doing our own thing. Uh, spirituality is like democracy. It's participatory government. Spirituality is a participatory world. 
I, I guess I would add a little more to that. That's and, and I mean I agree with you hundred percent. It's it's perfectly true what you've said, but I would add um, that's a bit like putting volume in someone's coffee without them knowing, and then having them forefoot a tennis match because they had volume in their coffee they didn't know was there, and calling that a win. Um, this is a pretty one-sided game. Uh, you know, we, we it, it's bizarre that you and I could right now have a conversation that say the modern day supermarket and tap water have played a critical role in where we find ourselves. So this is, I mean, I'm with you. People didn't stand up when they should have, but at the same time, they've been hit from every damn direction from the food they eat to the water they drink to every other thing that goes on in this world. That that is all true, and that is truly sad. But where were we four generations or three generations ago? And each generation has grown weaker, and each generation has allowed more and more. So right now, it's coming at us from all sides, and that is why we speak about alchemy now, because this is this is almost impossible to fight. On the other hand, there there is a way out, and. Uh, just like Moses, that is an alchemical moment where Moses parts the Red Sea. He is a Christ master. All Christ masters are alchemists by nature. So when your back is up against the wall and it seems like there is no way out, if your faith is great enough, if you make a fervent prayer with a pure heart, which is what alchemy is about, a way will always be made. And a way will be made here as well. Uh, and that will bring us to what you we spoke about, that uh, true to the Celestine, the Mayan prophecy, on December uh, 2012, the 24th going, it was 4.50 a.m. going into Christmas Eve, there was a ray of judgment, a golden ray that hit the planet, and very, uh, very, very few people felt it. And it was a ray of discernment, uh, a ray of judgment, uh, not in punishment, but who would do well, who wanted to succeed and live, and who did not. Now, what that actually means uh, for the future and who will go where, I do not know. But that ray was a harbinger, and it, it did happen at the time that the Celestines, the Mayans, prophesied. So you said a few things there, but you also said in the middle of that, one of the most important things that anyone could hear in the times like we are, because I sit here and I get hundreds of emails every day. And what I see happening a lot is there's this line in the sand that nobody wants to cross and then their livelihood gets threatened. And all of a sudden, the way they make decisions changes. I might not be able to pay my rent. I might not be able to make it to the supermarket. So now I'm going across this line um, because I don't want to find myself in that position. In shows not too long ago, we've suggested that you make damn sure you've decided what your line in the sand is well before it comes to situations where trouble is going to be piled on trouble. But what you said is the key. If you make a spiritual commitment and you stick to it and you mean it in your heart and you announce it to the universe, Every time a window will open when a door is slammed in, in your face. And if that wasn't true, then what we're doing here doesn't matter. That's what I've come to accept is true fortune. Well, the universe works on perpetual help. So I, I cry out into the night from a genuine heart, a fervent prayer, 
you can term it any way you want. It it does register and it is answered. Uh, the problem has been this has gone so far, and yes, as you said, it's coming at us from all sides. However, uh, we still have to take responsibility for ourselves. We still have to care for our brothers uh, and the people around us. We every man is an alchemist, so you're supposed to protect creation. You're supposed to see the greatness and the beauty in it, the joy that Saint Germain saw in life that he tried communicating to everybody else. Because joy is not only incidental to the spiritual quest; it is it is vital. All right. Well, as promised, let's switch over now and do the spiritual alchemy. We'll talk about its principles, its spiritual principles. We'll talk about transmuting karma, and we'll talk about spiritual transmutations, which is often allegorized in the idea of turning lead into gold. Um, But to me, that's not so much an allegory as it used to be at one point in what I accepted to be correct. So let's jump in. Let's talk about spiritual principles of spiritual alchemy. Well, every soul, as we said, is an alchemist. And what does that mean? That means the alchemist, uh, better than changing lead to gold, we change lead situations into golden ones. So CB still is an alchemical formula. And just as the sea was made still physically, we can make the sea still in our daily life. We can walk on water in our daily life by rising above the fray. We can part seas in our daily life and find a way out where there is none. So we have to know that heaven and earth are one and the same, that there is no separation. And that, that is one of the uh, beginning precepts that is, that is the beginning precept of the alchemist because he knows that the moment is golden and infinite, infinite, that no matter how deeply one goes into the moment, one can always go deeper, and that the birthrights of the soul are joy, love, and success, that all lifetimes are about joy, love, and success, no matter what the soul's past. Do you think it's fair, as I have done many times when I'm trying to describe, because the problem with the word alchemy is it comes with baggage in our time in the same way astronomy and astrology. If I said one of those two words, the other half split, said I'm not hanging out with these nutbags, and it became a problem. So I came up with the word sky clock to try to bridge the gap. Do you think it's fair that I have used the law's maybe not the law, the rules of nature or how nature functions as the bedrock foundation for what we call alchemy. In other words, a tree grows a certain way because there's principles and rules on how that happens. And that is the mystery that's hidden within alchemy. Do you think that's a fair description? Well, divine law is divine law. So it exists everywhere. We just have to learn how to work with the divine. We have to know that the moment is all positive, uh, that it's a golden moment, that it's infinite, that our heart is the connection to that moment. And when, when you are sunk in that moment, when your heart and the moment are unified, uh, that is when you are one with eternity, infinity, the divine, whatever, you, whatever name you want to give it, since we're all part of the bigger whole and creation itself is infinite 
you know, to that end, years and years ago, I chose that I would no longer watch news because it dawned on me at one point, I would rather be uninformed about so-called world events. Because what I noticed was every single time I watched it, it brought me down. It made me upset. It made me hopeless, helpless. All these negative connotations I could throw on the way it made me feel. And when I stopped doing it, I lifted, physically lifted. And then I began to realize what the TV's doing and why it's doing it. And that relates to what you just said, don't you think? Uh, we live in a negative age where everything, just as you said, everything that's coming at us is negative. But you, you, each individual soul, uh, has the power to stand and and create, and that's what alchemy is about, both physical and alchemical. Alchemy is about not mind over matter, but spirit over form. And uh, the alchemist knows in his heart and soul that everything you experience is not only it is not only what it is but it is infinitely more all right let's keep going with transmuting karma um if someone goes to read up on all the traditions they can get their hands on and all the books we have available they'll find that the idea of karma changes the further east you go what do you accept karma is? Is cause and effect a good description for karma as you see it, or would it be something else? As you sow, shall you reap. Unfinished business, lessons, and that's all it means. Lessons can be learned in two ways, joy or suffering, and you get to choose that. So every time a soul comes back to earth, no matter what it's past, even if it destroyed a planet or a nation, uh, that soul will have more lessons and more intense lessons to learn. But the birthright of every human soul is joy, love, and success in every incarnation. Uh, and in order to know how to achieve that, you step on the beam and you work with the divine. And that is where the miracles happen. Because the universe is always inviting us to step and make the journey with it as a fellow traveler, as a companion, as a friend. And when you agree to make that journey and grow with the universe, that's, that's where the golden miracles come in. That's where the true alchemy happens. In our time, transmuting, the idea of transmuting karma could be a big, a big deal for a lot of people. Part of the problem when we talk about things like karma is, I, I mean, I can pick up five books I have next to my bed right now, and each of them will give me a different version of what karma is. And it seems to be the further away from the West you get, the more kind of dreamy the ideas get, or maybe dreamy isn't, but not, not foundationally common sense. Maybe that's a way to describe it. So if there is a way to transmute karma, what's that about? And what does it mean? Any situation that you're experiencing in your life, you take into your heart, you breathe that in. It can be past or present. And you take that experience, the pain, you breathe it into your heart and you blow it up in a violet fire. I am transmuting, I am transforming, I am releasing. And then you breathe in your appropriate color, uh, violet. Joy is always good. And that is yellow. That's your solar plexus. Uh, you say, I love my karma and my fate. And you blow all of this up in your heart. 
in the violet flame, which is what St. Germain's color was. He was a master of the violet flame, a true wisdom teacher. So he knew all about transformation. And your heart is your alchemical laboratory. So when you breathe in, you breathe in the female aspect, which is the ruby red Holy Spirit that comes through your feet, your root chakra, and you breathe in the divine male through your crown chakra, that is violet, that's faith and forgiveness. It mixes in your heart, and that is where it meets. You throw it around your body. You can do anything you want with it because you are the master of your own fate. And then you let it go back into the world. When you breathe out, you breathe out, blessing the world and humanity with the same and much greater than you have received. And that is the true alchemy because you are blessing the world and making it a lighter place. So it's okay to ask for things that are for yourself as long as they are good things. But the greatest way to progress is when you ask for self, for something for self, bless the world, and ask for the same and much greater for everyone else, and then make an act of charity after that, even if it's just a dollar or a piece of food to a homeless person, because these are the deeds that move the world forward. I feel like a lot of people listening might think what I thought many years ago when I heard someone speaking in the way you are. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a master. I feel far below what I just heard. I don't totally understand what I just heard. So let's reel it back down to the foundation. It's a far cry to live in a modern world where you work all day. The moment you get off work, you go watch some movies, go watch some news. Think about what your mind is doing in a day that is unfolding in the way I've described. Now consider the life of someone who has stopped and prayed, who has consciously done something for a poor person or for anybody, tried to help, has prayed, just simply praying. You know how many times have I, I, I talked about Islam? These people stop five times a day to pray, and that's no joke. And not only do not only that, half the time they're doing it at a country where most people are looking derisively at them for being on a, a prayer mat that they don't understand. But my point here is so much of what you're describing, Fortune, it's a mental game. And you're also bringing the heart chakra in an awful lot here. But it's not that hard to change what you're thinking and you're praying and things like that, is it? Well, I can give somebody and everyone now a great, great technique, which will all help them in their daily uh, transformation. The first thing we all have to know is life is very, very simple. So there, there are just, there, there's one thing we all have to know. We are here to love the divine with all of our heart, serve selflessly, and to be all we can be. And it's as simple as that. Now, a great technique for everyone listening is to learn the art of disconnect on a daily basis. That color is blue, sapphire blue. That is your throat, your truth chakra. So if you breathe in, as I told you, through the sapphire blue, through the root and the crown, mix it in your heart. And then what you do is create a blue tornado in a counterclockwise direction going from top to bottom. And you give the intent. You can even make the sign of the cross, which is a sign of disconnect. It has nothing to do with Christianity. And teach me your path, show me your ways, and guide me in your truth. For you are the supreme God, my mother, father, and I am one with you in divine faith and truth. 
every divine and infinite moment long. And that will disconnect you and ask to be disconnected from all negativity, past, present, and future. A conscious decision. I wonder how many people have even thought about that as a possibility. I've got to ask, back in the 1500s, was the Bible carefully integrated into the life of the alchemist? I'm assuming it must have been. Uh, Everything I've read, there's always altars and prayer and scripture. Do you feel like the Bible would have been a key part of St. Germain's alchemical work? Well, he worked as a Christian, but he, he, he moved beyond that because the universe and creation, is it's all religions and none. It's a celebration of all religions, but it's none of them. So by the time you become the true alchemist, you alchemy is only, uh, a physical alchemist is though a, a man or a woman who is pure of heart. They have already reached enlightenment or nirvana. That is the law. So anyone who has reached enlightenment, um, and only those can perform physical alchemy, and that then the ray or the vibration of nirvana is the last earthly vibration. The next vibration beyond that is or the, the Messiah, as the Jews say, the Mahdi, as the Islam's Krishna consciousness, the Bodhi mind, that is a heavenly vibration. And that vibration unites heaven and earth. And that is what allows those teachers to heal the sick and raise the dead. All right. Well, let's try to get the third part in. We're running up on the end of hour one, Fortune. Let's talk about spiritual transmutations. And this, almost anyone who's ever heard the word alchemy is familiar with the idea of turning lead into gold, though I think most people don't really see what's buried in that idea. Well, Anyone out there who wants to practice daily alchemy and turn lead into gold, try cleaning and cleansing your solar plexus out of all the negativity just once a day on a daily basis and filling it with golden joy. And, and you, you will see what true alchemy is and you'll see how hard that is. But when you're able to clean out your solar plexus on a daily basis and you're able to fill that with the golden joy and a abundance and also the back the back of your soul chakra is your kundalini and you're able to shoot that with daily energy of chi and joy that that is true alchemy on a daily basis and it's it's anyone is capable of that you're capable of giving yourself shakti pot in any moment and you're capable of filling your solar plexus with the universal joy the universal laughter on any moment but you start out, start out and try it. And at the beginning, you will see what cleansing lead out of your, your psyche and your being is like. Sometimes it feels like to me, the difference between I can't do that and I can do that is millions and millions of miles. And almost the whole of what we experience in culture in the West is designed to get a mind to say, I can't do that, uh, just to keep you stifled, to keep you polluted in your own sewage heap. Uh, it's crazy, but Jason, we got to be getting close. You want to jump in here? Well, the whole concept of spiritual alchemy, I think, is so much more important than any pursuit of riches that maybe a lot of people would find interesting. Because once you become spiritually aware and at peace, chasing money and things like that just no longer holds the same value. 
okay, here's a good deal for everyone. The universe loves making deals. So as we said, the universe is constantly inviting us all to step on the beam and come along, make the journey with it. Uh, the higher you go, the more spirit, the more joy and uh, positive spirit you take into you, the more immune you will be to the slings and arrows of the daily earthly life. So the idea of, from a spiritual standpoint, the idea of lead into gold is basically taking something worthless and turning it into something of not just value, but of the highest value. And, you know, this is even, I mean, come on, Fortune, this shows up in, in old children's fairy tales. Most of us have forgot what's the one where the woman's weaving, weaving her yarn into gold. I, I mean, these, these ideas have been slowly lost by the wayside where you really have to go back. But even in the children's tales of maybe 60 years ago, these ideas were right there front and center, weren't they? Maybe pre-World War II. When we go back, it's interesting you speak about children because when we're children, and the memories we carry through our lives that are golden memories are not about people who gave us money as children. They're people who gave us golden moments and, and moments of kindness and generosity of spirit. And those are the things we remember all our lives about the people that we love as children. So we need not forget and carry, carry these golden moments and make them golden for other people in our lives. Because those are the things that we really remember most. You know, we just did an episode with Benjamin Balderson on the old Norse traditions. And there is actually, I think it's a god. It's a personification of someone who is all about the gold. And that evil personification came into being the moment someone decided some amount of gold was worth more than a human life. Um, and these things relate cross culture, cross everything. Um, but what, what do you think is important to get in before we close out the first hour fortune? What would be a good way to cap what we've done in hour one here? One pure heart is worth more than all the gold in the world. Well, I certainly agree with that. You know, when I was young, I don't think I would have bought that one bit, but I, I just know, I know it to be true now. You know, what did we, we met, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I met you to try to vet, to see if we could get a good show from an authoritative source with an authoritative lineage. And you were talking to me almost out of the gate about clearing my chakra uh, or my solar plexus, um, which I do every day. Incidentally, I walk down to the beach every single day. I bury my feet in shallow salt water and sand to ground my body. And I stare into the sun, even at midday, if it's too bright for me still, I use my UV protecting glasses. Um, if I can pull it off without that any time of the day, my goal is to be able to walk out into the world any day and look straight into the sun with no problem. That's what I'm training myself for. But I've been doing the solar plexus thing. And when I walk home from the beach, I feel almost like I'm floating, energized, radiant. Um, and as the day goes on, it diminishes away from me. Um, but it's ironic that you were talking to me, you know, I guess there is no coincidences, about this very thing that I've been doing for, I don't know, over a year now? When, when, we, when we clean our solar, breathe, breathe the violet energy into your heart through the root and crown, mix it in your heart, and bring it into your solar plexus. You take all of that energy in your solar, and the easiest way is to condense it. 
and then you can transmute it and disintegrate it in the violet flame. Then once you've done that, you can breathe all the golden joy energy that you would like in and then keep filling the solar. And it also helps when you breathe the golden joy energy into your heart. And if you want to give yourself Shakti pot, you don't need the guru from the east. You can breathe in the red, the color for Shakti pot, which everyone can do on a daily basis. And this is the ultimate alchemy for the soul. You breathe in red and orange, mix it in your heart, and then you shoot the energy back down to your um, kundalini on the back of your soul. Your sex chakra is the front, your kundalini is the back. You can also throw yellow golden joy in that. You can throw golden uh, divine light as close as you can to the earthly gold. And at the same time, when you're shooting that energy down in the back, you shoot the energy out and give it back to the world, and uh, meaning Mother Earth and humanity as well. And that will, make, that will make this formulation stronger because you're doing both at the same time. So when you are sending the energy from your heart back down to the bottom of your spine, you also send it at the same time in just straight to Mother Earth and humanity. And that will make, that will make the whole uh, prayer and your personal experience stronger. Fortune, I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap up hour one. Do you feel like materialism or here in the United States, I guess we could call it hyper-materialism, destroys spiritual endeavors? It's like anything else. A con man can only con the greedy. So if you have no attachment to it, it can't touch you. If it doesn't mean anything to you, uh, that will not corrupt you. If it does mean something to you, you can always say, no, I passed this by. You, can, you, you, have, you have the power and the right to bypass any lesson you choose. All right, Jason, one last shot. I'm going to wrap up wherever we are here. Anything you want to get in? You already touched on it with the concept of a pure heart. Would you say that once someone starts taking the steps towards, I hate to use the word enlightenment, but people understand that word, their entire lives will change before them? Because I've seen this, Crow has seen this, and I'm confident from listening to what you've said that you've seen this. And it's not earthly things we should be seeking, but it is advancement of our spiritual self. They're one and the same. All octaves are octaves of enlightenment. So when we say reached enlightenment, that means you've reached a vibration where you have finished your mission on earth, that you've reached the last octave before the Christ. Uh, you've transmuted a good portion of your karma, and it means that uh, you have realized what this you have become a master over time and space. You are an ascending master. You are ready to leave your earthly career behind and to go on to something new in a formless, in a dimension where there is no form. So what some people would say, becoming an ascended master like St. Germain, who passed away or ascended on his birth date of August 1st. Well, if I've learned anything in this world, I'm reasonably sure that the physical possessions that I value are not coming with me. And that puts it all in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> I can't take my favorite mandolin or that car I love so much, can I? The only things you take with you to heaven are those you gave away. Ah, 
I've seen that written and I'd like to pull the quote, but I can't think of it. Anyhow, before we go, before we go, mark down so that you ask me as we're winding up the second hour about alchemy after death, because I would like to bring into something to tell people um, uh, when, when they are dying and when they pass away, what they can do to help themselves at that moment as well to progress. All right, perfect. I made a note of it as you were saying it. Uh, I'm going to wrap up here, guys, and we'll take a short break, come back for hour two. So that is hour one of episode 352 with Jason Lingren and Fortune Germain, the great, 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 many great nephew uh, nephews of Count de Saint Germain, the very famous alchemist, who apparently you can look up online, but I guess you can't look up much that's true, which isn't surprising with Wikipedia holding the corner of information for the internet these days. Anyhow, Join us over at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio.com for hour two. And I would like to wish every living being in this world a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.
the enemy of knowing. Come.